Hello, I'm Matt, and this is Ghostthropology. The show will feature ghost folklore, which includes both well-known stories and small personal encounters, all ultimately unverifiable, but all presented by people as true. I will tell you the story, after which I will discuss the elements of the story that I think are particularly interesting. While I don't know when, where, or how you were listening to this, I hope it's dark outside, as that is the best time for ghost stories. Episode 20. The Less Than Impressive When collecting ghost stories, you will find that a lot of them are less than impressive. There are ghost stories that leave you feeling creeped out for hours or even days after hearing them. There are ghost stories that reveal the depths of certain beliefs and attitudes within our society. There are ghost stories that leave you with profound questions about the world around you. But in this episode, we're not talking about those stories. No, this time around, we're going to talk about the stories you encounter that leave you feeling like somebody scraped the bottom of the ghost story barrel. These are, to be short and blunt, the ghost stories that embarrass the other ghost stories. The ones that other ghost stories only talk about reluctantly when asked how their various spooky cousins are doing. Now, they're still a lot of fun to discuss, even if the discussion is more likely to put you in mind of mystery science theater than evoke the eerie feeling of the Twilight Zone. To that end, let's talk about some particularly uninspiring ghost stories. I'm going to break a bit from my usual story and commentary format here because most of these stories are short enough that they would just bleed into the commentary anyway. Story 1. The Baker Street Dachshund Two women shared lodging on Baker Street in London. One woman owned a pet dachshund who, one day, went missing. The women searched but could not find the dog, and it appears that the animal was presumed dead. However, for several weeks after its disappearance, the dog was seen walking along Baker Street. Apparently, the dog's spirit was not resting easy, and it was still wandering the world of the living, possibly looking for the woman with whom it had lived, hoping she would bring it home one last time. And, okay, <laughs> this has got to be a candidate for one of the most pitiful excuses for a ghost story ever. I personally find it hilarious that anyone would bother to even consider a ghost story here at all. I could only find one reference to it in the <clears throat> August Paranormal Database, and I'm surprised that it even showed up there. I mean, this is a ghost story? Really? Really? Okay, so many ghost stories can be explained by someone with a knowledge of psychology, sleep physiology, or how our brain vision centers work. Many can be explained through a careful examination of the physical environment. But this particular story requires absolutely no special knowledge or investigation to explain. If a dog disappears and then is seen for a few weeks thereafter in the general vicinity of where it vanished, then why would anyone immediately assume that it's a ghost dog and not, oh, I don't know, maybe the actual dog wandering around the neighborhood wondering where the hell precisely its owner is? I mean, as far as alternate explanations go, this is a pretty easy one. As regular listeners know, I don't go into any of these stories looking to either debunk or verify them. I'm interested in how the story functions and changes over time, rather than determining the truth of the story. But this is one story that essentially debunks itself. 
It's like an extremely lazy and boring version of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Hey, Ella, is that spooky? No! Story 2. Haunted Spooky MacBook of Spookiness. If that last story was a letdown, this one is a lot of fun. I feel a bit bad lumping this one in with a batch of bad ghost stories, as it's actually pretty creative and enjoyable. It's just more of a goof than a ghost story. What we have here is something that sounds like it came out of one of Roger Corman's lesser cinematic attempts, a haunted computer. Back around 2015, a seller posted an ad to eBay trying to sell his 2007 MacBook, claiming that it was haunted. I'm just going to quote the eBay page here regarding the origin of the haunting. Quote, It is unclear just how this laptop came to be haunted, but I 90% bet it was the time I left it in a graveyard next to an abandoned mental hospital all night by accident. I was doing some sketches in the graveyard. I'm an amateur sketch artist. And I brought the computer with me to play some music while I honed my craft. Anyway, I woke up the next morning and realized I'd forgotten the dang thing in the graveyard. Well, I took the computer home, still in perfect working condition, and, folks, this is when things started to get downright weird. First, I noticed that all of my songs in iTunes had become scary or haunted. Second, the desktop background was changed to a scary photo. The following week, we, my wife Barbie and I, noticed some of our stuff around the house had been mysteriously rearranged. One night, we went out to dinner with my wife's parents and their friends and some people from my wife's work and some of their parents. When we came home, my baseball cards were all out of order and my wife's rare American coins were in total disarray. To make matters spookier, I occasionally saw the computer levitating. In some cases, the screen and keyboard would open and shut quickly as though the computer were attempting to speak. Also, the computer has taken to writing, but not on its screen. The way he communicates with us is by grasping a pen between the keyboard and monitor and writing on pieces of paper from our home office. As such, I am given to believe that the ghost may have lived in a time before computers, for he appears to be quite unaware of the purpose of the machine he inhabits. End quote. Lest you be concerned about the presence of an evil computer, it's a Mac, so just get used to the evil, the seller assures us that the computer is, quote, not haunted by a demon or devil man negative entity, end quote. Ooh, I was worried there. In fact, the computer has vacuumed Ken's house, uh, the seller must be Ken, he's married to Barbie after all, helped in his son's talent show, and apparently helped Ken and Barbie get through a rough patch in their marriage. Oh, and if you're concerned that this is just a joke on the part of Ken, no worries. It came with a certificate provided by a psychic proving that it's haunted. Now, hotels and restaurants have known for a very long time that claiming to be haunted can drive up revenues, and ghost story connoisseurs will know that we have a long history of haunted objects. This isn't the first attempt to sell a haunted object on eBay. An earlier attempt, which was itself probably not the first attempt, was the alleged Dubuk box. So this is likely an attempt to make a large profit while offloading an obsolete piece of equipment. At the time that CNET ran their story on this in 2015, the laptop had bids up to $6,200. That's a lot for an eight-year-old laptop. So it would appear that this approach worked. However, I'm particularly charmed by the way in which Ken is so obviously just having fun. Changing the music to scary music. 
At one point in the ad, he claims that the computer had loaded Edgar Allan Poe stories, concern about devil man entities, and, of course, the psychic's guarantee of haunting. I mean, yeah, to most of us, these are all signs that Ken is joking. He's practically begging you to see the joke. Hell, he even placed a photo of the computer in a cemetery in the eBay listing. You can check out that photo on the blog entry for this episode over at the website where all the blogs for Ghostthropology episodes live, www.kmmamedia.com, then click on the Ghostthropology tab. Anyway, I've come across a few folks who seem to believe that this is genuine. So, I guess it's once again an example of the internet proving just how gullible some people can be, or perhaps how unwilling some people are to let go of a paranormal explanation despite something clearly being meant in jest. This, again, is reminiscent of Jeff the Talking Mongoose, which I covered in episode 13, something that is obviously a joke, but which people buy into for reasons unclear. Of course, I am frustrated by the fact that I didn't think of this first, and now I don't have a way to make huge amounts of money off of my old Dell laptop. Now, just an aside, in case you were offended about my cracks at Apple and Mac computers, don't worry. Were it a PC, I'd be making snide comments about Microsoft's plans for James Bond villain-style world domination. But I don't make any negative comments about Android, because I do not want to anger our new overlords in the inevitable Android uprising. All hail Skynet. Seriously? Story 3. Fake Haunting in Italy. This one is also pretty fun to talk about, though I suspect that it was anything but fun for the person on the receiving end of the haunting. Back in 2013, someone faked a haunting at a medieval castle. For revenge, apparently. The details are light, and I initially found out about it through an online edition of The Independent, and have since found it in a few other places, though the details are consistently pretty scant. From The Independent, quote, A real-life Scooby-Doo villain has been jailed in Italy for four months for pretending to be a ghost. She spent weeks terrorizing her husband's employer at the 15th century Castel Caldrano, near the border with Austria, slamming doors, haunting hallways, and making things go bump in the night. End quote. So this one is pretty straightforward in the telling. No doubt somewhat weirder than it sounds, or so I would assume. Unfortunately, I've been unable to find any further details. The woman, a 42-year-old Polish national, was caught by police after the property's owner, her husband's employer, according to the article, called the police and asked for their assistance. In the eight years since then, very little else has come up. I will say that, while I feel that this woman was behaving in a poor fashion and intentionally tormenting someone is pretty mean-spirited, I am amused that she felt the best way to settle a personal grievance was to pretend to be a ghost haunting the person she felt had wronged her family. While I don't think this was a good life choice on her part, I can't help but think that the world would be a better place, or at least a more interesting one, if this were a standard form of revenge. Not spooky! Story 4. The Haunted House Party Back in 2012, neighbors of a rented house in whole England complained of the noise of partiers and loud music cranked up late into the night. Worse, the garden of the house had been covered in trash, largely empty alcohol bottles, which had a tendency to end up in other people's yards as well. When confronted by neighbors, Leanne Fennell, the 20-year-old woman who rented the house and resided there with her young daughter, claimed that the loud noises were the result of a poltergeist. She claimed that she would be in bed at night, only to hear the stereo turned up loudly, 
and that her attempts to get the ghost under control resulted only in further mischief. The young woman was cited and ordered to pay 875 pounds to the council, which she failed to do and was subsequently taken to court. First of all, while I get the desire for the poltergeist to turn up the stereo, after all, the term poltergeist is a German word meaning noisy spirit, its tendency to empty alcohol bottles and dump them in the yard is rather more confusing. Perhaps it is unclear on what the term intoxicating spirit is supposed to mean. Hold that thought. When she was around three years old, my younger sister decided to cut her own hair. When my parents got home and saw the mess that she had made of her blonde locks, they asked her why she had done it. She replied that she had not, in fact, cut her own hair. My parents paused for a moment, looked at each other, and then looked back at her and asked if she had not cut her own hair, who had. My sister, standing near the fish tank in our living room, said, with the earnestness that only a child of that age can muster, the goldfish did it. In reading this story back in 2012 about a woman confronted with her party habits by her neighbors and law enforcement, I couldn't help but think that this was a desperate adult version of The Goldfish Did It. While this story seems especially silly, I, honestly, it wasn't me making the noise, it was the, uh, poltergeist. Yeah, it's a haunted house party. That's the ticket. It's no more so than some more famous cases, such as the alleged Amityville haunting. It just seems sillier because of the relatively trivial nature of the infringement, loud parties versus multiple murders. Nor is it really all that different from many non-newsworthy cases where people blame missing keys or other items on impish spirits. Although it is likely that this is just an example of Leanne Fennell being in a tight spot and coming up with the first excuse that came to mind, there is always the possibility that she has managed to convince herself that it's true. One of the weird things about human memory is that we can convince ourselves of the truth of all manner of outlandish things, no matter how absurd. Incidentally, I once lived next door to two kids attending the local community college who would have all-night loud parties, and who never seemed to grasp that their neighbors might object. I kind of wish that they had claimed that the ghosts were responsible. It wouldn't have kept me from complaining, but it would have at least given me a better story to tell my friends. Spooky! Story 5. The Haunted Stairwell I wouldn't normally include something with this little information, but, well, this one's just kind of funny. Back in 2013, on the website happyplace.com, I saw a photo of a paper sign taped up in the window of a stairwell at Hofstra Law School. The sign read, quote, Due to reported hauntings and supernatural activities, this stairwell is temporarily out of service. Please use the staircase at the other end of the hall while we attempt to fix the situation. Thank you for continued cooperation. End quote. In my research, I found a contest at the university's museum where participants were supposed to find the source of a haunting. The contest even had a Facebook page, but I cannot determine whether the sign is connected to the contest or to something separate. What's more, I can't tell whether this is a joke by the maintenance staff or a joke by someone pretending to be the maintenance staff or if the stairwell is really closed because of an alleged haunting. There are no details. This is more likely to be a joke than a sign seriously placed, and it might be related to a contest. Looking for more information brought only more questions. At the same time, the fact that the sign was placed is likely to create at least a few rumors, if none already existed, and therefore it is interesting as a potential seed for folklore. But really, that's all I have to say. Mm, not so Okay.
Before we sign off, I wanted to share one final thing. It's not a ghost story, though. It is a lackluster tale of the allegedly supernatural, specifically the psychic. In the story about the haunted MacBook, the certificate of haunting from the psychic triggered a memory from my teenage years. I was in high school with a guy, let's call him Ronald, who was obsessed with making himself out to be this grand spiritual being to the degree that it was often quite annoying to be around him because you knew he would not stop bringing up the Zodiac or talking about ley lines when you were all just trying to watch The Empire Strikes Back. It bugged Ronald that I knew things about people that he did not. I knew information regarding their lives before he did. I was aware of things occurring that Ronald was not, and as a result, Ronald believed that I was psychic. Ronald couldn't accept that I knew the things about the people because they simply told me about their lives, owing to the fact that, unlike Ronald, I wasn't a self-righteous jerk. Ronald found it more reasonable to assume that I was a psychic than to consider that maybe his behavior put people off. So, sometimes psychics aren't self-proclaimed, and you may find yourself being revered as a psychic simply because someone finds it easier than owning up to their own shortcomings. Okay. After this episode filled with rather unimpressive tales, I have to reiterate that I love ghost stories. I love the creepy feeling that you get from a good one. I love thinking about what these stories tell us about ourselves. But sometimes, it can be just fun to look at some of the less stellar entries into the lore of the supernatural. Today's episode also proves that anyone can come up with a spooky or allegedly spooky tale. And while it may not be good, it'll be better than the Dachshund of Baker Street. Don't let rationality or obvious explanations get in the way of your fun. Tell your creepy story. Uh, spooky? If you have a weird tale, have had a strange experience of your own, or know of a bit of local lore that should get a wider audience, please feel free to contact me at ghostthropology at gmail.com. That's G-H-O-S-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail. You can find more at kmmamedia.com. Click on the Ghostthropology link and you can find episodes, transcripts, sources, and a link to support us through Patreon.